0: listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey, 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 rockstar SLPs. We are on another episode of the Real Talk SLP podcast. I'm your host, Felice Clark, the dabbling speechy. And today we're going to be talking about Parent Coaching During Daily Routines. Now, if you've been tuning into the Real Talk SLP podcast the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the different types of collaborative service models in episode 41. And then last week in episode 42, two, I shared three tips for collaborating with colleagues. And I thought that this week I would have Ayelit Marinovich from Learn With Less come on the podcast to specifically talk about implementing a coaching model. She's an awesome SLP that helps provide parent education classes and helps train SLPs on how to parent coach. And she is going to be sharing a framework today about how to implement parent coaching with daily routines. And even if you are an SLP that is in the school setting pretty much every strategy and and tip that she provides today can easily be transferred to that setting. So this episode is all about parent coaching, but really it's about that collaborative service model that we talked about of coaching. Coaching other people in the child's environment to help with working on speech and language skills in their daily routines, in a naturalistic setting, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode because it will open up ideas for how you could be doing this in your private practice sessions with the child and the parent. But it can also be a way that you can start implementing coaching techniques and strategies with instructional aides, librarian, librarian the recess duty monitors the classroom teacher so there's a lot of possibilities coaching with the ot's and you could be getting coached by ot's as well so anyway i could go on and on about coaching let's hop into the interview with i let it i really enjoyed chatting with her and i hope you enjoy it too All right. Welcome to the podcast. I yell it. It's so great to have you. It's wonderful to be here with you, Felice. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about parent coaching. And I think so many SLPs are going to really love hearing your tips because we've been talking about collaborative service models the last couple of weeks. And I think parent coaching is something that we all would love to know how to do it better. And be successful with it. I think there's it's hard to know what to do.
1: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I think for so many of us we were trained in this in the more like medical model or educational model of that traditional therapy approach of we have the tools, we know the right tools, we are the there's that like patient client or therapist client relationship and the parent coaching model or routines based intervention, even things like that really puts us in a totally different frame of mind. And when you get started, it really, it's, it's not hard, right? Like it's, I mean, of course there are challenges Mm -hmm. with anything, but, but it does, it makes a lot of sense once you get started with it, but it's also, it is a reframe like anything else. And instead of that, like hierarchical dynamic, it's much more about a collaborative partnership, uh, instead. So yeah, I'm excited to chat.
0: Yeah. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your background in the field of speech pathology so that people if they're not used they haven't heard of you before or your podcast that they can know a little bit more about you. Yeah. Well I started um let's see.
1: I <laughs> I came to the world of speech pathology as someone who had a background in something else, so I was a theater and Russian literature major as in my undergrad, and I came into grad school uh, and graduated with my master's in I think 2009 or 2010 something something in there, and went immediate. I was very interested in working in AAC. Uh, I was very interested in early intervention. I always loved that early communication piece. And so really getting into, like my first job out of grad school was with a in a clinical fellowship mentorship. In all AAC, all the time, so it was working uh, through a private practice, contracting into the schools, and working as the like AAC specialist who was helping to really sort of pull the team together. Whether in whether it was me and the school-based SLP who was working probably more on things like receptive language and things like that, um, and the parents and the teacher and the whole you know, everybody. Um, and that, that was fantastic. And then I moved a little bit from all AAC all the time into early intervention, loved that as well. And then actually moved out of the country. I got married, my partner and I moved across the pond. I got pregnant and I spent the bulk of my pregnancy, uh, in London and then had my first child and promptly realized that well, well, first I I like applied for the you know the transfer of my license to the Royal College of Speech Therapists, oh. and that of course ended up like getting passed or whatever, uh, when I was 38 weeks pregnant, <laughs> <laughs> and I pro I got like a client I was contracting with a with a private practice I was working with one client uh for like the first six months of when my baby was after my baby was born, but the real thing that I was interested in, of course, as a new parent and as a person who knows a lot about early child development and and play and early communication was all about building community for me. I needed people around me. I did not have a support network. I was in a totally, you know, a foreign land and a place that I didn't know anything or anyone. And so I started hosting these caregiver and me classes out of my home and then that grew. I now run a parent education company called Learn With Less. And like basically what I do now is obviously I I am still a practicing speech language pathologist. I keep on a, a couple of private clients at a time, but most of my work now is all parent education. And so Learn With Less is really all about helping new parents to feel confident that they can support and connect with their babies and toddlers without having to buy a single toy. So um, I have a few best-selling books. I have, you know, a music album. I have caregiver and me classes that I and a whole number of licensed uh, facilitators run all over the world. And um,
0: that's what I do. That's so awesome! I love hearing how people start out in our field and then how it slowly can evolve or shift. And yes. that's one of the coolest things about our field, I think. Is that I totally agree. Yeah, that's definitely what drew one of
1: the things that drew me to our field was that ability to like repot oneself
0: <laughs> after um, after every few years, if you want. Right, and if our lives change. Um, yeah. So I yeah, so if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, well, how is this going to apply to me if I'm in this (laughs) pool setting? This is definitely still all the tips shared. It's following a coaching model. And when you're coaching, you can be coaching teachers, you can be coaching the instructional aides, you could be coaching, you know, the librarian, you know, the principal, anyone on the team, OTs, and also you, you know, after this year and with COVID, so many of us virtual, we work parent coaching. And so you might be able to still facilitate that this coming year as we move into more in-person instruction. So the, everything applies no matter what setting you're in. And, and that's why it's going to be a really great episode. So before (laughs) we talk about parent coaching, um, I would love if you could share a song that reminds you of what it's like to do a parent coaching model. I always ask my guests to share a fun song, so hopefully it wasn't too hard to come up with something. Yeah,
1: I actually love this question, and
0: what I came up with really
1: was Lean On Me. So to me, this song is really, you know, all about what it means to be, like, in relationship with other people, right? That's what it's all about. So, you know, you've got your some. Times in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow. And as a parent myself, I definitely, like, I don't always get it right And the idea that if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow, right? So I like to think that in my role as a therapist, as well as a parent educator and like caregiver and me class facilitator, I can help families to see that Every moment is just an opportunity and we do not get it right all the time, but we are enough for our children and we as caregivers are always learning and we as therapists are always learning. There's no point they're Like perfection is not the goal, right? And I also think that like having others to lean on in times of need or or even just in say early parenthood in general is so essential to building confidence as a caregiver and also building what we're all working toward, especially in my area of early intervention, which is family capacity. Now, that's not just in early intervention, just to clarify as well, right? Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, that that was what I came up with. and that's uh, I think that's, that's the perfect song <laughs> that they are, you know, parents are leaning on, Us, but in many ways with the parent coaching model, we are leaning on them, too, to partner with us. Exactly. So... Perfect song, perfect explanation. (laughs) Um, All right, so let's jump in to implementing parent coaching specifically for daily routines because I think Mm -hmm. this is a good way to get some buy-in and also help parents feel less overwhelmed because it's something they do every day. So why is parent coaching during daily routines a powerful approach to supporting Mm -hmm. a child's communication? Sure. Well, first, I think
1: that it will definitely help to sort of define a bit You know what parent coaching is and what the goal is in educating the parent, especially again, I like this all like you said, Felice, this all applies to all of what we're talking about and wherever you are in your career, whatever population you work with, from my perspective, especially educating the parent within early intervention and early intervention settings. So the ultimate goal of parent coaching, especially in early intervention, is, of course, to increase a family's capacity to support their child. And so what that entails is sort of a process of reinforcing a parent's existing parenting abilities, right? Promoting the development of new parenting abilities, and then enhancing and strengthening a parent's self-efficacy beliefs. So really, the whole point is to place that power back within the family and to show them that They already have what they need to do that inside of the home setting. And of course, the tools for doing that are often, especially with infants and toddlers, those everyday routines, rituals, interactions, and those like mundane everyday moments. And what I love to do to take a step further is to show them that often it's those ordinary and everyday objects that they already have in their home. Um, That are all like what hold the power to support their child's development. And primarily because within daily routines, these are the things that are repetitive, right? These things happen day in, day out, and that provide the contextual support and the language for what's happening around the child. And also, when you take it within those, like everyday objects, for instance, which is what I call learning with less, these are the things that often, especially our little ones, us using or manipulating, so that they're often going to gravitate towards those things anyway. So, of course, as therapists, we often get caught up in wanting this or that therapy material because maybe we saw like some SLP influencer raving about it. Or, um, but but we have to remember that like building family capacity is going to be most effective if the parent or caregiver recognizes the full power of what they already have and what they are already doing, and that they don't need to buy anything more or really do even a whole heck of a lot more. It's all about taking what they already have and what they're already doing and then really maximizing those moments so that they can reduce the overwhelm and feel competent about their ability to really be the best caregiver for their children.
0: I love that, and I'm total. I'm probably one of those SLP influencers that are like, "This is the best toy." Um, but I totally can identify that as a mom because I have a toddler right now, and yeah. I will get her things. Or I have all my speech materials at home now, and the things that she loves the most. We're just laughing because it's. Um, it'll be one of my therapy, uh, not my therapy, my workout bands. Yes, she'll want to wear that on her yes. head, and you know, play with random um, little, you know, she might have one stuffed animal, but all the fancy stuff, we pull it out, but it doesn't always keep her engaged. Just right. The toys are, I mean, let's
1: be honest, toys are for (laughs) grownups.
0: Yeah. It's for me to stay inspired in therapy. That's the end of it. (laughs) Um, so that I don't get bored, but my, but my students, definitely they want to be with us i yeah. think and and the parents need to see that they are so powerful in that process so to move on into our next question how do you approach a parent about coaching them and how you know how do you get buy in and how do you approach this concept of using daily routines and them seeing like okay yeah let's do it
1: right well first i think you know, thinking about the fact that, again, what is that role of the clinician in the intervention setting? And it's really about handing them the tools. There's a great quote from the book, Routines-Based Early Intervention, Supporting Young Children and Their Families, which, as with most resources, it's an imperfect book. But a quote I love is, it's not what the service provider does during the home visit that will make the difference in the child's development. It's what the family learns during the visits and uses throughout their activities and routines throughout the week that facilitates the child's learning and development. So again, this concept of partnering with the family, right? You want to provide them with new ways to see opportunities to enhance their child's language within the time expending about the same amount of energy and really using the existing materials that they already have To support their child. So, you're providing opportunities for them to learn new skills by observing and participating and practicing. So, the first thing that I do is really name the fact that this may look a bit different from what they were maybe expecting or what a traditional therapy model might have looked like if their family received services in the past, maybe with a different therapist or maybe for a different child. And I give them a sense of the fact that I like to use that process of giving them a chance to observe and then participate and practice. And I definitely talk a lot about the fact that this is about helping them use the stuff they already have with no extra time and energy required, right, to do that big job of parenting their, their human, their child, And really helping maximize those learning opportunities (laughs) and creating a language-rich environment. And I definitely ask them about, you know, what are their priorities? What are their goals for their child, for their family, for the relationship? And I ask for their participation. And I explain that I'm simply a partner in this experience. I am not the be all end all, right? I am the professional who's come into the home or into the natural setting or onto the computer, whatever it is, um, to help to guide the experience and facilitate the experience, if you will, the relationship and then the structure of the session and provide suggestions and tools and strategies. But ultimately, they're the ones that are going to be doing the work during the 90, 99% of the time when I'm not in there, right? So, really, it's a lot about really explaining to them that number one, One, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of extra work to do or extra stuff to do. What I would like to do is give you the tools for maximizing those moments that you're already spending with your child and figuring out how we can build up the language around those moments and around the everyday routines, right? So that you can really maximize those things and do all of this while I'm not here because I'm only here for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. And also, since I happen to be a therapist who has built out a lot of like content around early intervention and early childhood and early parenthood, I tend to refer clients to the resources that I've built and the amazing guests that like I've had on the Learn With Less podcast who have also shared a wealth of information and resources, much like we're doing here. And that also gives families a good sense of like my style and my values as well. And I definitely ask them about their own preferred learning styles, right? Whether they like listening to things like podcasts or seeing research or charts or other visuals, And I love keeping a running resource list in my back pocket to share with families because we inevitably start talking about things that are, you know, quote unquote off topic, but they're all related to their ability to parent their child, right? Whether it's about communication around, you know, potty training or learning, or whether it's communication around mealtime, whether it's, you know, all of those things. So I love having great resources, either the I've created cuz I tend to create a lot of content or from other wonderful, you know, early intervention providers or other providers who have created content whether it's a podcast or research or a beautiful like very you know, innovative or intuitive visual, especially for my families who are like not necessarily literate or not necessarily, you know, speaking the same, like fluent in English or whatever it is. Right. So there's so many different kinds of resources that you can help point people to and just to like deepen a family's understanding of the things that you're already
0: talking about. So those are
1: things that I like to do.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And so I think Some of the takeaways that I gleaned from that is like in a session, you're you're having a component of observing, then participating and then practicing. So those are some things that if you're in the school setting and you also said establishing what you're wanting to do with. the the parent or the staff member and what your style is and why you're doing Mm -hmm. that. And I talked about that in my last episode with working with your colleagues in a coaching model or just collaborative Mm -hmm. model. So this really lines up. And I think when you have those, you broke it down really well. Like this is what, how you approach a session with a family, keeping that framework of observing, participating and practicing helps us as well as clinicians know where we need to lead next in the session. And that kind of, ties into my next question too, is just what are some tips that you do for planning your coaching lessons? And how do you, you know, how do you approach planning a therapy session? Because it is a little bit different than the traditional model. So what do you do to keep things from getting overwhelming for you as the clinician?
1: Yeah. Well, I want, so for this, the answer to this question really, because I think so much of What I do in, especially in an early intervention setting, and what I was doing in the classroom with kiddos who I was doing like a push-in model with uh, as an AAC specialist, so much of what we do is follow the child's lead, right? And talk about what they want to talk about and play with what they want to play with. So a lot of what I do is just that. (laughs) And so I don't do a whole lot of like planning of activities. Maybe I'll bring in a couple of tools and honestly, usually those tools are things that the parent probably already has in their home and I'm just bringing them in because then they can see it is a toy or a developmental developmentally beneficial material, right? Whether it's a salad spinner or a few paper towel rolls or whatever like that kind of stuff. But really what I do as far as establishing all of these sort of routines and buy-in and roles and planning is I have created a framework that I like to call the LEARNS framework. So this is really all about getting buy-in and participation from parents and caregivers. So, so basically, in the LEARNS framework, that first tenet is L for listen, right? Listen, observe, and wait, right? Because We spend so much time in that didactic seat that we were talking about, right? Teaching and therapizing and lecturing and giving our expert opinion and educating, right? And of course, this is definitely a big part of our jobs, right? But just like the little ones, parents and caregivers need to feel heard too, right? And not only do they need to feel heard, but they also need to be provided with the space, to do what we were talking about, to reflect and to observe their child and to be given permission to say, "I, I can do this. I can try this. So that first step in doing that is really modeling to them that you're going to provide the space to listen, not only to them, but also to their child. You're going to all participate, right? Not just that therapist and child dyad, but also the caregiver child. Uh, Dyad and the therapist caregiver dyad. And this is a place where we're all going to participate, right? Each adult with one another and also with the child. And in fact, that kiddo, at least in my sessions, in many ways, may decide what's going to actually happen in your therapy session. So you might have a goal, but the child can often lead the way towards that goal, right? So if you're like singing a song, right? The child might create the lyrics of the song you sing and the direction of the conversation and even the materials that you use, right? So you're not only the therapist, but you're also the facilitator. And all right, what does that mean to facilitate, right? Well, it's a verb to make an action or process easy or easier. So you're simply setting the stage and whatever happens, you bring it into your session. So if you hear a child babbling during like a little song that you're singing about, you know, the spider or the wheels or whatever, uh, the sound that that child makes will likely make it into the song. So for instance, like, oh, the baby's on the bus say, and then the baby, you know, or the child or whatever babbles and whatever they said or whatever sound they made, you sing it into the song, you bring it into the session, right? So and then if you give a child like two choices of objects, you or they like might hold them up and whisper to, you know, the, the parent, like let's just wait a few more seconds before you give them another prompt. And if you see the child becoming overwhelmed, you might slow down the song or offer them a turn with something, right? So it's really all about what is happening in the session and modeling and a give and take. The second tenet in the learns framework is engage with play. So within my learn with less caregiver and me classes, Mm -hmm. for instance, which is outside of a therapy context, but it's certainly is also using the parent coaching model. We use the four pillars of learn with less of play, talk, sing, and move. So here within play, we want to really help families see that power of open-ended play, right? And in order to create an environment in which Both the child and the caregiver feel like they can explore and be playful. What do we have to do? Well, we have to model playfulness, right? (laughs) We have to follow the child's lead. We have to model flexibility for the caregiver. We have to model turn-taking. We have to model waiting and pausing and, and all of those things and modeling that serve and return interaction that we know is so powerful. And that's really what the therapeutic context and also any parent education context is all about, right? Is providing the space and the structure to bring in the child's actions and interests to comment upon them to build upon them to sing upon them to imitate them ultimately to value them All right the third tenet of the learn's framework is accept and interpret so this one really blossoms right out of those first two right you're the facilitator of a therapy context you're the one who's going to highlight the value of what's already happening in the vi- environment and you're going to accept what the child is doing how they're doing it and you're going to share the value of that by creating a structure around it. You can create an entire activity based on what they're doing, what they're interested in, and how they're engaging with any particular material, whether it's that fancy toy that you brought into the session or whether it is an empty cardboard box and a couple of pieces of tape, whatever. Right. So clearly first we need to like first scan the environment, see what's there, what's available, and then set up the environment, set the like actual physical boundaries of what's acceptable in the beginning. And often Mm -hmm. that needs to be established by the caregiver, not by you if you're in their home, but sometimes the less you say, the better, right? And the more you show by sitting together on the floor or at the table or on the sofa, by closing off certain areas of the room if you don't want them to be accessible, by covering any of the, like, not available materials so that it's not so distracting. So now you also want to accept what the adult is doing and create an environment in which they feel comfortable participating at their own level as well. So, when they do tr- like try something, you give them constructive feedback mm-hmm. and keep it brief.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is this how is this all landing with you? Good.
0: I was taking some notes so that I can re- rephrase for everyone listening too. So, first, we're really setting the stage, we're listening, we're observing the environment, what's happening, what the kid likes, uh, talking with the parent. Then we accept, no play, talk, sing, and move. So we're really modeling all the pillars of play. So probably in the beginning of coaching, you're probably modeling more for the parent what it could look like, and they can just watch and see how their child lights up when you're playing with them, because usually that's what happens um, when we play. And then the third pillar is accept and interpret. And I think this is one that, you know, I don't want to say we we as SLPs can gloss over it but that's where we kind of get into it and we're going oh my gosh the kids running everywhere or oh I wasn't anticipating this part of the child to not like this toy what the heck am I going to do so I think this one is really important for just looking at what's happening and creating a structure I liked what you said about scanning the environment show by doing and then look for what needs to change in the environment so that your, your child and the parent are at their optimal Mm -hmm. interaction. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And of course giving them like redirection strategies as well, or just accepting what is happening. And maybe if the Mm -hmm. child is, totally distracted with something, that's okay. And that might be an opportunity for you to like talk through something with a parent or talk about how comfortable they are with whatever is happening, right? Like there's so much. Right. Um. Yeah. I think good. All right. Well, let's keep going then. Woo-hoo. All right. So that fourth tenant or tenet of the learns framework. So now we're at R, um, repetition with variation. So this is One of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Carolyn Musselwhite, um, talks about repetition with variation. So, as we were sort of talking about, like that, the power of everyday routines is really in that the repetitive nature of them. And repetition with variation is really like the gold standard for especially early learning. So, how do young children, especially infants and toddlers, learn best? Well, according to the Office of Special Education Programs, and I can link, give you the link to the document that's all about these like seven key Mm -hmm. principles for learning within natural environments, but infants and toddlers learn best through everyday experiences and interactions with familiar people in familiar context, right? That's a quote from uh, OSEP. And so again, within routines, right? Within daily interactions. Young children especially are detecting patterns in our behavior and in the environment in order to make sense of it. And while predictability is extremely important, we also want to remember to introduce a bit of a pattern interrupt. So repetition with variation supports our especially young children Mm -hmm. with both pattern detection, but also enough variation once a routine is familiar to ensure that our little ones are starting to deal with changes and start to offer opportunities for scaffolding, right? Learning new skills or learning to generalize current skills into new contexts. And we can do this in any number of activities, right? Daily routines like changing a diaper, making dinner, bath time, et cetera, in any activity which is highly predictable in nature. And that is what structure of any session provides, right? The opportunity to build upon familiar routines with often familiar objects and with familiar people and for you to show your families that they can do this and that they're already doing it. And here are new ways for them to do it to support their child's learning.
0: I love it. Um, I want to just chime in and say, uh, some of the examples for daily routines at home like changing a diaper making dinner bath time we can yeah. still roll that over into the school setting oh yeah with because we the classroom setting is so routine based so coaching, at recess time, circle time, yeah. free choice time, snack, getting in the line. Yes. All of those. I mean, it's
1: funny, right? Because as the caregiving routines that I mentioned are like the ones that we generally go to in our minds of those daily routines. But as like for at home, it's also like putting your shoes on before you go outside and brushing your teeth and all of the like putting the toothpaste on the toothbrush and, you know, going whatever like putting the sunscreen on your on your body before you go outside and then in it at school same thing right getting into a line getting out your pencil all like all of those little mini things that we don't even think about as routine those are tiny little predictable things that happen every single day right
0: and that are part of our everyday thing yes so. perfect all right so the last fifth tenant yes. of the model
1: um, no, there's two more.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So
1: the fifth tenet again is that we're at N. So navigate using basic materials. This is what I intensely believe in. Obviously I run an entire brand called learn with less the way forward, especially in inter- early intervention and routines based intervention is not about you getting to show off all your cute therapy toys or getting to use your laminator, right? For every single material you use, If you bring it into the home, if you're in the school setting, if you're using what's already there, just try to think of the most basic version, right? So in our use of those everyday items and the items within the classroom setting, for instance, we are educating the caregiver, the team that they don't need what you have. They can use whatever they already have in their home, uh, in this cool setting, wherever they are, regardless of how much or how little they have also, right? This is an access, equity, all of these things. Your clients mm-hmm. are a diverse set of caregivers and children who, for instance, if you're doing an early intervention in the home, may or may not be accustomed to playing with a variety of materials. They may have started your session already having spent the morning in a cardboard box or the kitchen cabinets or The caregiver may be completely opposed to their child using their kitchen as a play space, right? And that latter part, that's fine. That is okay. That is their right. You are in their home. So if they're just not comfortable, find a different way. Find another space, another material. Remember, we are building Family capacity, family confidence, and family competence, and you are making attempts at creating an environment for exploration, right? You're, you're providing examples for ways that they can engage with their own children. You're giving them ideas about how they might generalize when you're not there. And you're showing examples. You are not giving them the quote unquote right way to parent, right? And your model and your structure provides them with a new set of eyes and a new way to see what they already have, what they can use and what they can do should they wish to implement that without you. Um, And they also may start to see over time that like controlled chaos Mm -hmm. is maybe sometimes okay. That mess is not always terrible or that they can create mess in ways that they are more comfortable than others. And part of putting mess away is also super beneficial as part of the developmental, you know, activity. And they also may start to see that the value of those little moments in between are actually incredibly powerful, right? Finally, the sixth tenet, simplify, (laughs) right? Not only with the materials, but also with your words and with your body. Again, this showing and not necessarily telling. Using your body to model what you want to encourage your caregivers or your team to do. And pausing expectantly also for the adults as well as for the children. That's Mm -hmm. something I think we don't think about a lot. (laughs) <laughs> um, I would agree. And so that's the learns framework. And that is not only how I lead my early intervention sessions as a speech language pathologist, but all of those are what guide my work in parent education with learn with less caregiver in me classes and what I teach my educator and therapist clients all about within
0: our licensing and certification program as well. Awesome. So, if an SLP was interested in, you know, diving deeper in the Learn's framework, they could go to your website, Learn with Less, and then you have specific classes that they can get licensed
1: with. Basically, what I offer is a licensing and certification program to utilize the Learn with Less curriculum, which is a fully developed, like caregiver and me class infant and toddler curriculum. Um, and I also like I teach educators and therapists, how to supplement their teaching or therapist income by um, leading these caregiver and me classes in their own community, even if you've never like led a parent education offering before. And so whether you are like a new parent yourself, or maybe you are like potentially putting your feet into the idea of like diversifying your income streams, or maybe you have your own like fully built out private practice and you want to be able to serve families in your community more holistically and not get stuck in the red tape and not have to be sad about the fact that like oh this child doesn't quite qualify for services like here is another way to serve all of the families in your community whether whether the family has a child who is, you know, developing along a typical progression uh, or who is experiencing developmental delays, anything. So, yeah, so I have a I have a free training, which is learnwithless.com training, which you're welcome to come and check out if you want to learn more about uh, what
0: I do and how to do all of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I totally loved this framework and I think it helped. I'm sure it's going to be helpful for so many SLPs that are in the early intervention space or SLPs trying to navigate their private practice. I know a lot of SLPs after this year are trying to build a private practice or if you're in the schools, this is a great framework for looking at the classroom environment and how you can support staff. And yes, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast, I Yell It. It was so helpful. And um, I will put links to everything that was referenced, links to I Yell It's podcast and website. Yes, thank you, I Yell It, for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with parent coaching. Like I said, we will put everything in the show notes for people to access to, you know, check out some of the resources that were mentioned. So next week, we're going to be discussing how to use theme therapy to plan your lessons. So check that out if you're interested in using themes to plan therapy. And as always, remember to be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired and we will see you next week.